Well, again, we are so glad to have each and every one of you here with us this morning. And so since it's a new year, we're kicking off a brand new teaching series. And the teaching series that we're focusing in on is called Practice Makes Progress. Practice Makes Progress. Say that with me. Practice Practice Makes makes Progress. progress. And it's a spinoff of this statement right here. Practice Makes Perfect. Have you heard that before? Show of hands, anybody heard that? How many of you have said that before? I know I've done that. I've done that. Uh, Practice makes perfect. And then I want you to think about the idea of perfection for a minute. And that brings us to this part of this. Where in your life have you experienced perfection? So practice makes perfect. Where in your life have you said, hey, you know what? Always. I've got it. I've got it down, right? <laughs> that's right. We should ask your wife if that's true. <laughs> She's always the truth teller. We better not. We better not. But as, as we think about this idea of, of, of perfection and the pursuit of it, I want us to think about what that does to us at times. The pursuit of perfection often leads us or leads, us, leads to us being paralyzed, pulverized, or prideful. And so perfection in itself, it's not wrong to have a standard that we're going after, but here's the, the challenge. Many of us here, when we think about perfection and attaining it, we get paralyzed. That's unattainable. I can't even move, right? That's many of us. Some of us were achievers, though, and we're like, oh, I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to knock down this wall. I'm going to get up. And, oh. But then we get crushed under the weight of not being able to attain it or that somebody else does it better than we do it, or that there's a standard that we can't meet that somebody else is able to accomplish. We often get pulverized in that process, or prideful, where maybe we're saying, hey, I've, I've arrived to a certain standard or level, and then I start looking down at somebody else, and I start making myself the standard, right? All these things can happen, and it's not wrong to pursue something, but it's better to understand that in the midst of the pursuit, that ultimately the way of life that we're called to in Jesus as followers of Christ is to pursue him and his ways and what he has for us, that he actually deeply cares about our lives. He cares about us as a whole person. And as you think about that idea, that brings us to this part, which is dude perfect. How many of you guys ever seen Dude Perfect? Oh man, I love Dude Perfect. You, do yourself a favor, YouTube and search Dude Perfect. Awesome. These guys are followers of Jesus, but one of the things that you learn about them, not only do they have a lot of fun and have a great time doing what they do, but they, they do these trick shots, these crazy trick shots. But in order for them actually to hit a trick shot that they're trying to make, they have to practice again and again and again and again, and again, and again, and then finally they get it. And oftentimes, they may not be able to duplicate it right away. Even though they did it one time, they have to continue to practice again, and again, and again, and again, and again. You know, in life, the same thing is true as well. The same thing is true that, again, practice makes progress. And I was with Ray's teacher as we were doing a parent-teacher conference, and we were talking about this idea of how oftentimes what happens for students is they get 
told that practice makes perfect, and then they can't take a step forward. And I said, you know, I really like the statement, practice makes progress. And she goes, I love it. I love it. I'm going to make a sign and put it in the classroom. So now she has a sign that says this, and Ray's class. And every time she's talking to Ray or they're, they're talking about something, she's like, do you know who said this? Your dad. Your dad said this. And he goes, he goes I don't like it. It embarrasses me. It embarrasses me. I'm like, you're only seven. How can I embarrass you already? But again, in every arena of our lives, this is true. That if we will commit ourselves to the process of practice, over time, over time, we will make progress. We will make progress. And so as we think about that, as we hold on to that idea, I want us to not lose sight of even just what that looks like relationally for a moment. Because it's not just limited to the areas that we're going to talk about as far as areas that we want to see improvement on, but even relationally. My wife Amy and I, we just celebrated 20 years of marriage. Oh, yeah. I mean, she put up with me that long. I mean, that is a testimony, right? But we are so grateful for those years together. But here's the deal. If you've been married, you know, you know that over time, over time, that if you choose to surrender and give yourself to another, there's going to be progress made. But when you get paralyzed, right, by the goal of perfection, their perfection, your perfection, right? You didn't measure up or I didn't measure up. Or, or if you get polarized by the idea of trying to be something that God hasn't had for you, it's hard to really move forward as a couple, right? Or pride creeps in. Why aren't you like me? Why don't you do this? Da, 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 you know? And that's not limited to marriage, but I, I think what I've learned over time, when we commit to the process of growing together, we will make progress. We will make progress. And again, I want you to think about that in your friendships, and your relationships, because it's not limited to marriage. But for us, I've seen that really clear. Because as I've committed myself to that, and she's committed herself to that, we are making progress together. Because we understand that it's a commitment. It's a commitment to train ourselves before the Lord. And in the midst of training ourselves before the Lord to what he's called us to, it's not about getting it always right. It's about rather trying as we walk and journey with Jesus and let him do the adjusting that needs to be done. So as we consider this, as we consider this idea of practice makes progress, I want to ask you this question. Do we live a disintegrated or integrated life in Jesus? Because here's what's dangerous. Even when we talk about practice makes progress, we could pick different parts of our lives and say, this is the only part of our lives that God is concerned about. There's this spiritual side of my life that he's concerned about, but he's not concerned about these other areas of my life. And, and what can happen is what the great leader, civil rights leader, the one that we celebrate uh, this weekend and on Monday, Dr. Martin Luther King fought for, which was, was really to say, no, 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 it's not body or soul. It's about body, soul, and mind. It's about the whole person. It's about seeing the value of people, about understanding that their life matters, the totality of their life, and that it's not limited to one area or scope, but that he wanted, and, and Jesus wants for us, to experience an integrated life in him. 
And so as you think about this question, I want to ask you, which one are you living? Are you seeking a disintegrated life or an integrated life? Because what we want to do is we really want to walk in an integrated way with Jesus. In fact, when you study the scriptures, which is really important when we talk about something like this, you see this about Jesus. And let's just read this out loud together. This is when Jesus is 12 years old, by the way. Let's read this out loud on three, one, two, three. And Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. And so what we find in Jesus, while he took on flesh, he grew in these areas. God in flesh, dwelling amongst, we just celebrated this, right? We just celebrated Advent. Good news for us, Advent doesn't stop when the calendar changes over to January. We get to celebrate Jesus not only coming, but what his coming actually signifies about the way we live our lives. Because he has a way of life for us. And so Jesus himself grows in wisdom. In other words, he grows in the way in which life is intended to be lived and to see it from God the Father and God the Spirit's vantage point and to walk in that, to walk in wisdom. Stature, it speaks about his physical body because his body was part of what he embodied when he walked the earth, right? He had a physical body. He has a resurrected body. After he's crucified and buried, he has a resurrected body. And even when he is raised from the dead, he has scars in his hands and in his feet as well. And we know that in Jesus, we're going to have this resurrected and glorious body. But I don't want us to miss that our body is part of us walking with Jesus, that he cares about that aspect of us, as well as favor with God that we see in Jesus deepening his surrender, his walk with God. And yes, he did it perfectly, right? He did it perfectly. And for some of us, we're like reading this and we're like, but isn't he God in flesh? Yes, he is fully God, fully man. But he models for us, not just the means of salvation, but the way we're intended to live life in him. Because he has a way of life for us. And so Jesus is not only our savior and our leader, but he is the author of life. And then his relationships growing with men. And we would see that not all people like Jesus, right? In case you haven't read the gospel stories, uh, that's when we, we get to Good Friday. We see very clearly, not everybody was like, man, I'm, I'm about Jesus and what he's saying. But we see that in the life of Jesus, he was growing in these areas. Again, these pillars are really important. They actually inform even our kids' ministry, Luke 2.52. They inform what we're doing. But I'm, I think what can happen is we can graduate in our minds as followers of Jesus from this, if we're not careful. And we're not intended to graduate from this. We're actually intended to practice and to make progress with Jesus in these areas. And that's why the Apostle Paul, he would say these words in Colossians 1. And as he talks about the supremacy of Jesus and and who he is and and what he's come to do for us, as as he talks about just the sheer magnificence of Jesus, It goes on to say this in in verse 1, or excuse me, chapter 1 of verse 27 through 29. It says this, to them, God, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, 
which is what? What is it? What's the mystery? What is it? What is it? Yes, Christ in you. Oh, man, this is good. Yeah, Christ in you. This was, this was hidden, it says. But now it's been revealed. Christ in you, the hope of what? The hope of glory. Christ in you. And through the power of the Spirit, Christ resides in us so that we can make progress in our journey with him, but becoming like him and doing the things that he did while he walked the earth. We would take on his ways. And it goes on to say this, he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone, what's this highlighted section say? Fully mature in Christ. And if you feel comfortable, turn to your neighbor and say, let's get fully mature in Christ. Yeah, let's get fully mature in Christ. And it says this, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And so as I think about what Paul's saying, he's saying like, to this end, my end goal is to present everybody fully mature in Christ. And I want you to know for me, this is one of my own goals for my life, but also as I lead and serve others, that through the power of Christ in me, I would present everybody that he gives me stewardship and my, under my leadership to present them mature in Christ. And I love this because mature in Christ isn't limited to a specific area, but rather a way of life that takes on the fullness of who Jesus is and what he's about. So it's not just, hey, I know some stuff. I know Bible verses. I know this part of who Jesus is and this aspect of, of his life. But rather, no, full maturity means that he has full, full leadership over every part of me. I'm maturing in this way. And so as we think about that, the goal of our progress in Christ is to be fully mature. Is to be fully mature before him. And as you think about the idea of maturity, the scripture talks about it in different passages. James 1, it talks about perfection. That's the word that can be used at times. But again, that's a word that, that translated that talks about from the Greek. That talks about maturing, becoming more and more like Christ, stepping in to what he has for us. When we understand who Jesus is, it says in, in Ephesians 4, we won't be like infants tossed to and fro, but we will be built up in Christ through love by one another as we are in Jesus. See, when we practice, when we practice, we make progress with living an integrated life in Jesus. When we practice, we make progress with living an integrated life in Jesus. So what areas could we focus on? Because there's so many areas we could talk about. But through this series, I want to talk about these aspects of our maturing in Christ. Spiritual, mental, emotional, financial, physical, relational. Because all these areas, they speak to the idea of our maturing and our growing with Jesus and walking with him. And through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, we can step into what he's inviting us into through what he himself has accomplished for us. So we're keeping our focus, our gaze on the author 
in the perfecter of our faith, which is Jesus. As we run our race, as we make progress through practicing a way of life with Jesus to experience him, we will make progress. But here's the, the challenge. Oftentimes, we think about what we can do in a day or a week or a month, but don't think about what we can do in a year. And I just want you to think with me for a minute. What would happen if you would commit your life in these areas from January 2024 to January 2025? And you said, you know what? I'm committing to taking on practices that are gonna help me make progress. I'm gonna commit myself in these areas to see growth. Do you think year over year you'll see growth and progress made if you'll practice? Do you? I, I believe so. And then you, you can even add another year <laughs> and you could say, wow, imagine another year of committing to this way of life. What would happen if I did that? But we are so, we are so convinced that we can accomplish more with less time because we're about the immediacy versus taking the long view. And you know, it's a, it's a human nature thing. I know for me, I, I was thinking back to when I had uh, graduated college, I got married, and I was thinking, wow, life is just passing me by so fast. And it was only four years after I had graduated college, and Amy and I got married, and we had had uh, some pastoral roles uh, that we took on at different churches, and I'm like, oh, I'm missing out. I'm missing my call, and I'm like, Learning and looking back, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, just chill for a minute. Yo, 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 relax, relax. Hey, life hasn't passed you by. You got to get some perspective. But I think the same thing can be true. We can look at our lives and say, wow, I have X amount of years left, but what am I going to do with X amount of years that are given to me? Like I think about my age, I'm 43. And I think about how many more years do I have on the earth? How am I going to practice so that I can make progress with Jesus so that I can live this integrated life? What am I going to do in that way? Because when we live that way, we often talk about stuff like New Year's resolutions or make your life count. But I honestly believe when we live that way, we will make our lives count. And it's through what Jesus has provided for us. It's what Jesus has done on our behalf. And so I want to just take a moment to focus as we begin this series by looking at one of these aspects, which is the spiritual part. And this won't be the only week that we'll look at this, but I want us to look at the life of Jesus for a moment. Because I think there's something here that we need to just make sure that we're taking in, taking stock in, in our own lives and our own journeys as well. And this happens in, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 3. And this takes place as Jesus is, is going public with his ministry. He's going public. And listen to what it says here. Matthew 3, 13 through 17, it says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, what did it say? Let's read this on three. One, two, three. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so when we see what takes place in the life of, of Jesus in his ministry, next week we're going to look at what happens next in this, this passage here after Matthew 3. And we'll look at Matthew 4 and what happens in the life and the ministry of Jesus and what that tells us about our own practices. But what I want us to see is that Jesus is, is being baptized. And John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was the nation of Israel who had rebelled against God coming back to God. They're coming back to God. And as they're coming back to God, and as they're walking to God in his ways, baptism was a way to indicate, hey, I'm coming in agreement with who you are and what you have for my life. And so John was a little bewildered, like, wait a minute, Jesus, you want me to baptize you? Like, that seems like, like confusing, odd. Like, I know who you are. I've been saying, behold, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I've been, I've been declaring that I've got to decrease and you've got to increase, right? He's been saying these things. But Jesus says it's to fulfill righteousness. And what he means by that is he's saying, listen, to fulfill righteousness is to agree with God in the way in which he's wooing people back to himself through baptism. Not that Jesus had done anything wrong, but also it represents the fact that he's going to take on those sins of the people, their ways in which they were walking away from what God had for them, their inability to love God as he's loved them, and to love people as we were called and commanded to, to love our neighbor as ourselves. He's going to take that on himself. And so as he's baptized under the water, it speaks of what he's going to actually endure and what he's going to take on for them. But as he comes out of the water, it says that the Spirit's there, the Holy Spirit's there, God the Father's there, and you hear God the Father say, this is my son who I love and I'm well pleased with. Like, I, I love Jesus. This is my son. I'm proud of him. I'm pleased with him. And the Spirit comes upon him and leads him, as we're going to see next week, into the wilderness where he's tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. But as we consider what we see in the life of Jesus, as we think about this, this is so key because what we don't want to miss is that there's a storyline that's occurring here. So we saw when he was 12, right, in Luke 2. Now we see him in his 30s, right? He's, it's been very clear, this is the one. And we hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my son who I love and I'm well pleased with. He's stepping in to his identity. He's stepping in to his story specifically, but also the macro story that God is writing. And I want you to think about your own story for a minute. I want you to think about the power of your story, your specific story. So your micro narrative and the macro narrative that you are a part of. The life that Jesus, the life of Jesus has provided and given to you and the way in which he's brought your life together. You know, I think about that for me with specific people. It helps me to tell my story in this way. I think about this, this friend, this man, this business leader who passed away seven years ago, Max Carey. And Max Carey fought in Vietnam War. He was actually a top gun pilot. He actually lost his wingman 
uh, his, his co-pilot uh, in Vietnam. And as that was happening, uh, that really led him to the ways in which he would love and serve the vets as he came back from Vietnam. And there was over 200 missions that he flew. Uh, but then as he came back, he'd start a business. And, and Max would be key in my life because Max would be somebody who would say to me as an 18-year-old, hey, I see something in you that you cannot see in yourself right now. And he would help me to take a journey towards completing my college degree. So he'd pay for my school. He would invest in me and my brothers. Him and his family were key in that. And so he's a big part of my story. Max sat on boards like for Carabas and, and Outback. They had a burger at one point in time called the Max, Mad Max Burger at Outback. It was named after him. And he means so much to me just as a fatherly voice in my life, a spiritual father, a one who would help point the way in my life. And recently I got to get with his wife and their family. And this is Susan, as I call her, Suzer. And Suzer was somebody who would spiritually pour into me. Man, we, she is an intercessor through prayer, a lover of God's word, and would just pour that stuff on me. And again, this is an 18-year-old. I'm an 18-year-old while I'm interacting with this family. And this experience reminded me as I was with Susan just how loved I was by her and her family. Uh, Susan said to me, you've never been a disappointment to me. You and your brothers are, are some of our pride and joy as we tell the story of what God has done. And so as she said these things to me, I'm like just receiving these, these words, and I'm just considering what that means in my own story. And then we had the whole family of, of their family, the, the Carey family and, and, and the Kelsos and other people who are part of that family, we were able to get together over Christmas. And, and it was just such a sweet time being reminded of the story and the way in which God has authored my story. My story. And you have a story too. And it doesn't have to look like that, you know, but your story is yours and you need to understand it. And so here's a question. Do you know your story and see yourself as God sees you? Do you know your story and do you see yourself as God sees you? Do you understand who you are, where you've come from, who you were before Christ, who you are after Christ, how he's changed you? Do you know your story and do you see yourself as God sees you? You're an image bearer of God, made in his image. This is what Dr. King fought for. This is what he gave his life for. This is what Jesus proclaimed. Jesus said, I want you to know the way of life that you are called to and invited into. But if we don't understand what he's come to do, that in him, we are called the sons and daughters of God, who God the Father loves and is well pleased with, we will do so much damage in our own lives and the lives of others. And we will not make progress if we do not receive the right messaging of what God the Father through the finished work of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit says. Do you receive that message? Do you know your story? And do you see yourself as God sees you? And one of the easiest ways to do this, this is a macro level of this, is to remember God's design. It's called the three circles method. God's design. And as you look at God's design and, and then you look at what sin has done, 
as a result of brokenness and uh, 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 in the midst of Adam and Eve rebelling and, and running from God and what he had for them, how brokenness comes, even though he made them and said, hey, walk with me in the cool of the day. Walk with me in the cool of the day. You don't even have to worry about having clothes on at this point in time, right? When God created, right? But then all of a sudden, they didn't trust God and ate from the tree, told him not to. And brokenness ends, ends up coming to the world. We see blame and shame and pride and fear. We see them running from God instead of running to God. We see them putting on fig leaves. They were, they were so ashamed. But then through Christ, we can repent. We can put our trust in Jesus, the good news of Christ, what he's come to do, and we can recover and pursue what God has for us. Do you know this narrative, the macro story of what God's telling? And you're part in it. And if you're like, yeah, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. I want you to know there's so many people who don't have it. In fact, I actually had an experience this Wednesday where I was going to pick up a fruit tray at Chick-fil-A Whitehall. And as I was going to pick up the fruit tray, to take over to raise school because I was going to have an opportunity on Thursday to speak to a staff and faculty to encourage the encouragers uh, at raise school, which is an incredible thing that God's doing. So excited. There's a guy that comes up to me and says, hey, you got some money? Like, I'm like, literally pulling in. He's like, you got some money? And I'm like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm used to people asking for money, but I'm not used to coming straight up to my car. Like, literally. I'm like, yeah, you know, I have a couple of dollars, you know. I said, hey, by the way, man, do you have time for lunch? I felt like the Lord was just saying, ask him. He's like, yeah, I do. So we start talking. I get to know his story. I get to, to journey through kind of what he's been through, work through his backstory, what got him to the place he's at. And then I pull this out and I share this with him. And I said, hey, man, have you, have you heard this before? And he's like, I, I've heard parts of it. But he's like, who tempted Adam and Eve? I want to know. Like, who, who led them astray? He's like, didn't know that part of the story. Here's a guy in his 20s, didn't know that part of the story. And then I explained to him what it is that Jesus has come to do for him and for me and for all people. And I said, hey, would you like to put your trust in Jesus today? Are you interested in doing that? And he said, yeah, I actually would. I would like to do that. And so here we are, Chick-fil-A Whitehall, and we prayed we prayed for him to receive Christ, and he did, and he started to tell other people in the restaurant. Here's what I'm telling. This is less about, hey, look at how many ways God's using me or whatever. This is more about how God is using the story that he's telling to invite others in. And do you know this story, and do you know your own story, and do you know how they work together? So here's a practice I want you to do. I want you to write out, review, and study your story and how it fits in the great story God is telling have you ever done that? Have you ever written out your story? Have you ever, and not just how you came to faith in Christ, that's part of this, but your backstory, your family story, where you come from, the jobs you've had, the people that have been in your life. Have you taken time to actually deep dive through that? I want to encourage you to write this out and to share it with other people. Because it's one thing for me to come up here and tell you my story, and I think that's inappropriate and right, but it's another thing for you to know your own story so that you can share it with others and to know his story, the story that God is telling, because he's telling a story, a beautiful story that we get to be a part of because of what Jesus has done for us.
I want to encourage you this week to write it out. This is one of your practices. Because throughout this series, we're not just going to talk about how do we live an integrated life? And yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about that. But I'm actually going to give you practices. Like, I actually want you to do this. All right? Like, I'm, I'm asking you to do this. And we won't do like, hey, stand up if you did this assignment kind of thing, you know, the following Sunday. We won't do that to you. But I, I just want you, to, I want you to make progress in your journey with Jesus. And part of it is understanding your story and the big story that God's story, God's story, uh, the great story that God is telling, because he's telling a great story. But the other part of this practice is I want you to sign up for the baptism Sunday, February 4th. Listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, we are called and invited in to baptism. Our baptism is different than what Jesus' baptism was in the sense that it's those who have put their trust in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And it's a proclamation that I belong to Jesus. Like we've made a commitment already. So we go under the water, I'm buried with Christ, and I'm brought to new life in Jesus when I come out of the water. So if you're here today and you're like, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I've yet to be baptized, hey, let's go ahead and make that happen. Let's make that happen. Let's sign up for that. Because this is part of journeying with Jesus. This is a, a way that we follow what he's asked and has for us. And as we do this, we're aligning as the, the, the gospel would say, Matthew 28, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're aligning with our identity as those who are dancing with the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I don't want us to miss what he's inviting us into. But the other part of this is I want to invite you to sign up for the meet and greet. If you're here and you're new to Riverrun and you're like, hey, I would love to know more about what's going on. We want to make sure that you do life with others, not alone. Because everything that I'm talking about, yes, there's a part that I personally need to do. Like, I need to write out my story. But I need to do it with climbing companions as well. I need to share my story. Actually, the power of sharing story and telling story is, is actually what's helped me to come up here this morning to talk about the story, right? You follow that? And in your life as well, when, when you start doing that and it becomes part of what you're doing, it then encourages other people. Like, I know many of you here, you have a story where you've dealt with cancer. And you know, telling and writing out that story, I'm gonna tell you something. It will encourage somebody in this house because there are people who are in the middle of the throes of dealing with a diagnosis like that. There's power in us coming together. And so we need one another. So here's the thing. I want to encourage you to text in meet and greet to this phone number. But I want us to know that practice will make progress. We will make progress as we journey with Jesus. As we keep our eyes on him, we will walk in and grow in this integrated life. Because Jesus wants this for us. He wants for us to experience the life that he's created us for. But that can't happen apart from him. That can't happen apart from journeying with him, keeping our eyes on him, inviting him in, and allowing him to have access to these areas. So I don't want you to hear this like, hey, just do more, try harder. I want you to say, hey, look at Jesus. Look at the author and the perfecter of my faith. And I'm running after him but he's inviting me to join him to the good works he's prepared in advance for me to do. And part of that is to be a co 
heir, co-laborer with Christ. And so the fuel through the finished work of Jesus that allows us to do that is to be reminded of our sonship, the fact that we're sons of the king, that we're daughters of the king, and that he's made a way for each and every one of us. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we just thank you for your love for us. And God, I just thank you for the ways that you are working, the ways that you're showing up and showing off. Lord, I pray, God, in specific ways today that you would move in our midst. Those who are here, Lord, and have yet to put their trust in you, today would be the day of salvation. Lord, today would be the day that they would put their trust and their faith in you. Lord, I, I do pray, God, for the areas that we're going to talk about in this series. I pray instead of begrudging them or being afraid of them, that we would know of the one who goes before us. Lord, I pray that instead of hearing the shame and condemnation, we would hear the voice of heaven that says, these are my sons and daughters who I love and I'm well pleased with. And if you call us sons and daughters, then you no longer call us slaves to fear, but call us friends of God. And so Lord, I pray that we would walk in the fact that we are adopted into your family and that we would understand all uh, the, the roles and, and privileges and responsibilities that comes with, but also we would understand the joy of be called, being called your friends, Jesus. And so Lord, I just thank you, Father, how you're gonna move in our midst this year. And God, I pray just in a very real way, God, you would help us to even take the heart practicing our story, writing it out, thinking about, the, the macro story of you, God, and what you're telling and our micro story in that. But also, Lord, I, I pray that you would, you, God, would also um, move us to join you, whether that's baptism or meet and greet, and that we would have the courage to come after what you have for us in 2024. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.